In the holy name of Jesus. You could be forgiven if by now you thought the first week of Lent was a bit of a head fake. You remember, I think, how it went. Jesus met the devil in the wilderness, and after a struggle, Jesus put him away by telling him to read the scriptures, obey the Father, and walk in the light. The devil left Jesus, and it seemed like a win for the good guys. But since then, Lent has been a steady five-week decline into darkness. First came Nicodemus, groping in the night, unable to close the gap between Jesus and himself. All that talk from Jesus about birth and water and wind and spirit and heaven almost undid that leader of the Jews. Then came the woman at the well. Though she met Jesus in the midday sun, she found the light painful and she was determined to hold Jesus off to stay distant and dark. Last week it was the man born blind, a man who from birth had been called heretic and sinner, and who had lived his life alone and unloved. In the Middle East at the time of Jesus, it is hard to say darkness more clearly than that. Until today. Lazarus is dead in a cave behind a rock, rotting in the darkness. His death is notice that the devil is back. So what good is Lent for any of you if it is just a steady five-week descent into darkness? Stay with it. In the end, Lent is all about Jesus. And Jesus is the cure. Though we never want to be found rejoicing in the painful and evil bits of life, it is still true that you cannot be enlightened unless you are in darkness. And you cannot be forgiven unless you've got sins. And you can't be resurrected unless you're dead. And it is still true that Lent is good because Lent brings the cure, which Jesus himself describes throughout the Gospel of St. John. The cure for darkness, sin, and death is the glory of God. We normally think about glory as honor or praise, but the Bible has actually a very specific definition of glory. Glory in Scripture feels more like heat and bleach and lightning. In the Bible, glory is the word for the holiness of heaven when it drops down to earth. Glory was the rhythm of Eden when man and beast and fish and fowl and plant and animal, when moon and stars all gladly danced to the beat of God's will. Glory is holy joy, the holy joy of heaven warming our very cold and very dark world. It's a burning bush, a pillar of fire above the tabernacle, a sacrifice on the altar at the temple, and the angels singing the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve. 
Glory is God among us. It is the Holy Word made flesh. Glory is holiness with a first name, Jesus. To see the baby Jesus is to glimpse our way back home. And to see our Savior Jesus on the cross is our Lord's greatest moment. It is full glory in the midst of the darkness of Lent. It is from the cross that Jesus purifies and heals and resurrects us. It is from the cross that he gives and he guides and he uses us. It is from the cross that the second Adam points us back to Eden. And glory is no fun. At least, that is how we often act. Though Jesus says in the Gospel for today, verse 7, this illness comes on earth to show the heavenly glory of the Son of God. This illness comes so you folks in Bethany can have your own little burning bush. You can have your own little dry bone come to life, all your own. It is almost amusing how often people disagree with Jesus in this text. Lazarus is dead, and there is nothing that any one of them can do about it. Jesus is alive, and he can do anything he wants, including raising Lazarus from the dead. But from the moment Jesus gets the news, first, Lazarus is ill, and then Lazarus is dead. From the moment Jesus gets that news, there is no end of folks willing to give him good advice to bend him and to shape him and deflect him and even stop him according to their will. Verse 8, don't go to Judea. The Jews there want to kill you. They'll stone you. Verse 12, if Lazarus is sleeping, then he doesn't need you. He'll get better on his own. Verse 21, if you'd have come sooner, then my brother wouldn't have died. And verse 22, if you just say a good prayer from your heart, then you can get what I want. And finally, Caiaphas in verse 60, now we need to kill him. About the only one in this story who doesn't argue with Jesus is Lazarus. And not arguing with Jesus works out rather nicely, don't you think? After all, not arguing with Jesus has been the way back from darkness to light all Lent long. When Nicodemus left Jesus that night long ago, he didn't get Jesus, but Jesus had gotten him. So Nicodemus ended up speaking for Jesus. You remember he defended Jesus against the Jews, and he ended up acting for Jesus. You remember that with Joseph, he took Jesus down from the cross and buried him. That glorious story was all about the push and prompt of holy baptism. In the second week, when the woman at the well stops protecting herself from Jesus and lets Jesus finally get close and reveal himself as the glorious Son of God, dropped down from heaven, when she finally lets Jesus gracefully, gracefully close the gap between him and her, then she can say, he told me everything I ever did, which may be the greatest line in Lent. He, he told me everything I ever did, and she can be happy about that. Because everything she ever did has been exposed. 
and everything she ever did has been forgiven. And she got a fresh start that second week of Lent, a glorious new life in the light of Christ. That was a story all about private absolution. Last week when the blind man stumbled his way up the hill to the pool called Sent, as in Jesus sent me here and I obeyed, he washed his eyes and then he saw his parents for the first time and then he resisted the Pharisees and then he followed Jesus. He made good use of the glorious new start that the Lord had given him. And he did that solely on Jesus' terms, without any backtalk. It was all Eucharistia. It was all gratitude for the goodness that he'd been given. Gratitude that the body and blood of Jesus had touched him just the way it's going to touch you in a moment at the Holy Eucharist. And then today, good old Lazarus, come out. There's not a better line, a gospel line in all the scripture than this. Lazarus, come out. Come out from your sins and what they did to you. Come out from the rottenness of your death. Come out of the darkness into the light. Come out and live free as my disciple. This is an invitation to the incarnational life which baptism and absolution and supper provide. So it turns out that living in glory, living inside the holiness of God that drops down from heaven, inside Eden, next to the burning bush, at the altar where the sacrifices glow with Jesus Christ himself, the crucified Jesus Christ of Lent, the second Adam, that is given into you and onto you every week here in this place. It turns out that living in glory is actually a pretty good way to live. It turns out that that glory in Jesus Christ incarnate is the only thing that satisfies and the only thing that quiets us and the only thing that closes all the gaps. That's what we've learned this Lent. It's the only thing that makes wrongs right. It's the only thing that heals. It is the only thing that builds community and it is the only thing that prompts gratitude for goodness. It is the only thing that resurrects and the only thing that guides that second Adam on the cross pointing us home to Eden. Jesus is holiness, so Jesus is glorious light. And he's also glorious life. There will always be challenges to holiness. When I'm in a good mood, I find it amusing that only one of the challenges this Lent has come from Satan. And the other four have come from good church people like you and like me. Maybe we should be more scared of ourselves and the damage we might do to God and to each other. Maybe we should be more scared of ourselves than scared of Satan. But this lend it would also be good for us to remember that holiness is a friend. And it is a gift, a heavenly gift. And it is a glorious solution to anything that hurts us. Jesus is holiness and he's given himself into us. He's come down from heaven to do that with his presence and his words and his deeds in scripture and in sacraments. And his holiness is the only thing that can let us know like Nicodemus and love like the woman at the well 
and see like the blind man at the pool of Siloam and live like Lazarus in light and in glory. It's the only thing that will leave Satan too scorched and bleached and dazed and blind to hurt us. An honest Lent is not just a descent into darkness, although it is always that. An honest Lent is also an ascent to Calvary, to the cross, and then to the cross's altar, the cross's pulpit, and the cross's font, where we go to to be enlightened and to be resurrected, to be made free and to live in joy, so that we can learn to speak and to do as Christ bids us as well. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.